Genesis chapter 4. I want to say along with Brother Sanders how good it is to have our guest here this evening. Thank you so much for coming out to worship God with us. Amen. And I just believe, I feel the presence of God in this place. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in a very rich manner. And I just believe that God has a word for your life. Not for somebody sitting beside you. Not for somebody sitting behind you. Not for somebody that should have been here tonight. I believe God has a word for you. Amen. And I believe in the next few moments, if you'll open your heart, heaven is about to speak into your life. Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. I want to preach for a few moments this morning from this subject, the tragedy of an unacceptable offering. The tragedy of an unacceptable offering. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the mercy of God that is so rich in this house. And I'm asking in the next few moments, Lord, that you'd allow the anointing of the Holy Ghost just to settle on this place, God. Let your spirit minister. Let your spirit speak, Lord. Let the word of God speak into our hearts and our lives, Lord. Touch us and change us. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. I imagine that it was in the stillness of a brand new day as the dawn awakened the earth and the sun cast its first rays of golden light over the horizon. I, I can almost see the two brothers there laboring separately, yet laboring together as they each built an altar unto the Lord. They have come together to this place. They've come together to this meadow or opening or wherever it is that they have that they've set aside as a sacred place where they will worship God. And they have come to this place because they have within them a desire for fellowship with God. We learn right away from these very first sons of humanity that mankind is possessed with an inherent drive, an inner urge to worship God. 
That's what we were made for. That's what he created us for. That is the purpose for which he formed man, for which he made man and breathed the breath of life into him. We were made to fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul makes the point that woman was made for mankind. He makes the point that she was made to satisfy an emptiness in man, a part of man that that could not be satisfied any other way. Whenever God looked down on the garden, he saw Adam by himself, and he said, this is not good, amen. Adam needs somebody. He needs a companion. He needs someone that he can can know, that he can uh, become uh, intimately associated with. He needs someone that can fulfill him and make him whole, and it was out of that need that God caused Adam to fall asleep and took for him a a rib and made for him a wife Uh, and that woman was made expressly for that union for that companionship Uh, amen not just physically but emotionally she was made to be his other half she was made to be the thing that completed him that made him whole she was made for the companionship of the man man and woman They were made for one another. Amen. They were made to satisfy one another. They were made to complete one another in a way that only God could have designed. By the same token, humanity was created for God. We were made for fellowship with Him. We were created to worship Him. We were created for His pleasure. We were created to satisfy a divine desire for companionship, a divine desire for fellowship, a divine desire for worship, as humbling as it may seem and as incredible as the reality of it is. God desires the fellowship of humanity. God desires to be in the presence of his creation. As a matter of fact, God desires our fellowship so much uh, that in the process of redemption, God condescended uh, to become a man. Uh, He made himself, uh, the scripture said, a little lower than the angels uh, that he might suffer death uh, for every man. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God desires to be with us. That's how much God desires the fellowship of his creation. That longing for fellowship that was not isolated to God. There is a part of us that hungers for the presence of God. There is an internal longing and eternal desire within us that can only be satisfied by a relationship with God. There's a timeless part of our being. There's a timeless part of what makes up who we are that knows what we were made for. Solomon said he put a little bit of eternity in your heart. He put a little bit of heaven in your heart. There's something in you that knows what it is to fellowship with God, that knows what it is to be in that place of relationship with God. There's a part of you, somebody said it this way, there's a God-sized hole in your heart and nothing else will ever satisfy it nothing else will ever make that place feel complete and whole there's a need within you there's an urge within you there's a desire within you to be in the presence of God to know the fellowship that God and only God 
can bring to your life. The heart of man longs to know God. That's what brought Cain and Abel to that place. They came to worship God. They came together to offer sacrifice unto God, to establish a connection between them and God. It was not enough for them that their parents had known God. It was not enough for them that Adam and Eve had walked with God in the coolness of the day. It was not enough for them to hear the stories about a relationship with God. There was an inextinguishable desire within them, a desire that just could not be put down, that could not be controlled, that had to know God, that wanted to experience God, that wanted to fellowship God, that wanted to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to know Him, to experience Him. So they came to this place, and they came to offer an offering to God, to build an altar. To bring a sacrifice. Worship is the response of a heart that longs to know God. Worship is not just what we do in the preliminaries of a service. It's not just what happens when a singer begins to sing or when the preacher begins to preach. Worship is the expression of a desire to know God, to fellowship God. To be in relationship with God. Worship is the vehicle by which man declares his yearning for a relationship with his creator. It is the means by which man makes known how much he desires the presence of God. And that's really what this is all about. Cain and Abel have a desire for the fellowship of God. Both of them want to know God. Both of them recognize that they need the blessings of God on their life. Both of them yearn to know that they are accepted by God. They want to know that God has looked upon their life and their offering and their sacrifice and that He has accepted it. Worship is more than just a ritual to them. These altars that they are building are far more than just the rites of a religion. It is, it is something that they are emotionally invested in. It's something that they are, are emotionally involved in. It really matters to them what's about to happen. Cain and Abel offered sacrifices to God in the fourth chapter of the Bible because... The favor of God and the blessings of God really mattered to them. The very beginning, this is the first story after the garden. This is the first story after Adam and Eve are moved out of the presence of God. These are the first sons of humanity, and they come. It's not just a religious sham. It's not just a religious show. They're, they're, not, they're not here just to, just to put on the, the, the trappings of religion. They came because they want to know God. They want to be accepted by God. And so finally, the moment comes. The altars are finished. The sacrifices are ready to be presented to God. And Cain, being the eldest, 
offers his sacrifice first. He places what the Bible called the fruit of the ground upon the altar. And then he steps back. And together the brothers wait and they watch. But nothing happens. And after a space of time, Abel brings his sacrifice to his altar. And there he places the firstling of the flock and the fat thereof. And he puts it on the altar and he plunges the knife into it. And he spills that precious life-giving blood. And then Abel too steps back. But this time something happens. The Bible says that God had respect unto Abel and to his offering. That Hebrew word for respect literally means that God looked upon it. God turned his face towards Abel's offering and Abel's sacrifice and Abel himself. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but something happened for Abel that didn't happen for Cain. There was some kind of obvious sign that God accepted Abel's offering when he rejected Cain's offering. It is a common uh, idea or the common opinion that God consumed that sacrifice with fire. We, we get that because we know that later that's the way God accepts an offering. He sends a fire from heaven that falls down upon the altar and consumes the offering. It really doesn't matter exactly what happened. What matters is that it became blatantly obvious that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he did not accept Cain's. The Word of God says that Cain had two reactions. First, he became angry. The Hebrew word there, the, the King James says wrath. The Hebrew word there has to do with the flaring of the nostrils. You know, when some people get angry, they, just, they flare out their nostrils. They get that snarl. It's talking about his, his appearance. He became angry. And the second thing that happened, the Bible said that his countenance fell. That means that he hung his head. It's the universal posture of defeat. It's a universal, universal posture of brokenness. Those that have been rejected, those that have been cast aside, those that have been downtrodden, they don't lift their eyes to heaven. They keep their eyes on the ground. And he, he was cast down. His countenance fell. Now, before we go any further, I want to make a few observations about Cain. First of all, don't make any mistake about it. Cain had a heart to serve God. He wanted to offer a sacrifice to God. He wouldn't have been in this place. He would not have came here on this day and built this altar and offered a sacrifice to God if he didn't feel the need to have a relationship with God, to worship God, to have fellowship with God. Cain knew Something was missing in his life. Cain knew that he needed something from God. He needed the fellowship of God. He needed the relationship with God. He needed to do something to secure the blessings of God on his life. And Cain had a profound desire to be accepted by God. 
to know that God had looked upon him favorably. Cain wanted God in his life. It was it's very important to Cain. It was so important to Cain that after God rejected Cain's sacrifice, his whole countenance changed. He's defeated. He's dejected. He's cast down. The, the rejection of God had a, a dramatic impact on Cain. He, in, in one sense, he was angry at God, but in the other sense, he was heartbroken. It bothered him immensely that God rejected his sacrifice. But there's more to the story. You see, the rejection is not God's fault. The rejection is Cain's fault. Cain brought this on himself. Yes, he he wanted to serve God. Yeah, Yeah, he wanted to know God. Every man wants to know God. I don't care how far away they are. Every individual has within them that innate desire, that hunger to know God, to find the approval of God, to find the fellowship of God, to find the blessings of God. Cain wanted that. But he wanted to serve God on his own terms. He wanted to be able to establish himself the context of what it means to serve God in his life. He wanted to be able to draw some lines and say, I'm only willing to go so far. I'm only willing to do so much. This this is what I'm willing to bring you, God. This This is what I'm willing to give to you. This is what I think should be acceptable to you, God. This is what my rational mind says. This ought to satisfy you, God. This ought to be enough for you, God. This is my measure of what an acceptable sacrifice is to God. It doesn't matter what God thinks. It doesn't matter what you require. It doesn't matter what it is that you have desired. This is what I'm going to bring you, God. This is what I have decided that I am willing to do. You see, the problem is so many people want to know God, but they want to know God on their own terms. Uh, They want to meet God according to their own rules, uh, their own restriction. Uh, They want to serve God uh, in what they think uh, ought to be reasonable to God. Uh, They they aren't so concerned with what God thinks ought to happen. They, They aren't so concerned with what God thinks needs to come to pass. They aren't so concerned with what God has required of them. It's what they want to give. That's Cain's problem. And our our first lesson that we learn about worship in the Bible is that it's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we need. It's not about what we decide. We don't don't set the parameters that define what worship is. We We don't establish the rules that define what's good and acceptable unto God. We don't pick our own religion. We don't make our own way to get to God. We don't decide where the door is and how we walk through it. Amen. Worship is not about us. It has nothing to do with how we define it. It's about God. It's about what 
he requires. It's about what he desires. It's about what he has spoken in his word. You see, we don't get to choose the measure that is pleasing to God. We don't get to choose what God will accept. Uh, we don't get to choose what, what God's going to get from us. We don't get to come to God on our own terms. God defines worship. God chooses what is acceptable to him. God determines the parameters by which we can approach him. He alone decides what he blesses and what he curses. He alone decides what he accepts and what he rejects. We learn from the writer of Hebrews that Abel by faith brought an acceptable offering to God. He brought to God what God desired to have. He met God on God's own terms. But Cain, Cain didn't bring an acceptable offering. He brought what he decided was good. He brought what he decided was enough. And when he did, he revealed the condition of his heart. The second lesson that we learn about worship in the Bible is that worship is a window to the condition of the heart. When a worshiper offers a sacrifice to God, the worshiper quite literally puts his heart on display in the presence of God. The worshiper demonstrates the condition of his heart in how he worships God, how he serves God, how he sacrifices unto God. He demonstrates what's going on on the inside by what he brings to God. That's why Jesus, when he was in the temple in Mark chapter 12, stood over by the treasury and he watched how folks gave their offering to God. It doesn't say what they gave. It said he watched how they gave it. Because the offering reveals the heart. It reveals what's going on in the inside. So when the poor widow comes by and she casts her two little mites into the treasury, Jesus calls his disciples over and he said, this woman... She's given more than all the rest. What do you mean, Lord? They gave, they, the people have given an abundance. They've given rich offerings. And she's brought two little pennies into the house of God. What do you mean she's given uh, uh, abundance? She's given more than the rest. But he said that this, they, they gave out of their abundance. They gave out of their riches. They gave, out of, they gave their leftovers to God. But she gave all she had, he said, even to her living. She gave the money she needed to live on. That's what she brought to God. She gave him everything. You see, the offering, the sacrifice, it's a window to the heart. It's a window to what's going on in the inside. It's a window to the, the condition of the soul. And Cain's offering reflected a heart that wanted the blessings of God but wasn't willing to pay the price. That wanted to walk with God but wasn't willing to make the sacrifice. That wanted to know that God approved but wasn't willing to do what it is that God approves of. It, it was demonstrative of a heart that wanted to know God 
only as long as it didn't cost him too much. You see, Abel brought the first thing of the flock and the fat thereof. That means that what that means is that he took his flock and Sean, he went through and he picked out the very best, the firstlings. That would be the first tier. He got the best there was in the flock. And then he went through the best and he picked the fattest of the best. God loves the fat. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. The fat, that's where the taste is. That's where the goodness is. And so he, he went through the best and he picked the fattest of the best. And that's what he brought to the altar. What he did was he brought the best of the best. He brought the best that he had. He went through and he got the upper tier and he separated them. Then he went through that and he got the very best that he had. And when he brought that offering, his offering declared what was in his heart. His heart was saying, I'll do anything to know you, God. I'll pay any price to fellowship you, God. I'll do anything it takes to know that I have your approval, God. I want to know you more than I want anything in this world. I want to know you more, Lord. You're more valuable to me. You're more precious to me than anything I possess I'll give my very best no price is too great no sacrifice is too much whatever it takes it, I, I must be found acceptable to God Cain on the other hand he selected the fruit of the ground now let's set aside the fact that Cain didn't bring a blood offering Let's set aside the fact that, that Cain, as a tiller of the ground, he brought, he brought the fruit of the ground. Let, let's set aside the fact that it wasn't a blood offering. Let's just consider the offering that Cain brought in its own stead. Cain was a, a farmer, and he brought God an offering of the fruit of the ground. But what the Bible doesn't say is that he brought the first fruit or that he brought the best fruit or that he brought the largest fruit. Or that he brought the ripest fruit. Or that he bought, brought the, the choicest fruit. It says he just he brought the fruit. He, he gave God a portion of his living. He gave God a portion of his produce. He, it wasn't necessarily the worst portion, but it certainly wasn't the best portion. It was just a part of it. It was, it was a good representation of the, the fruit of his labor. It was good representation of the, the, the things that he had gathered from the ground. In other words, he, he assigned a value to the fellowship of God. And he valued it somewhere less than his very best. Now, he didn't put it down there with the worst that he had. But he definitely didn't put it in the same place that Abel put it. He brought God something less than the best. That's the big problem with Cain's offering. And let me tell you, what makes this so interesting to me is that we're only in the fourth chapter of the Bible. There is no prior verse anywhere in Scripture that commands men to go offer a sacrifice to God. There is no indication that Cain and Abel are operating under the commandment of God. It is conceivable that Cain and Abel have desired the fellowship of God enough that they have decided of their own accord to come worship God, to come offer sacrifice to God, to come see if they can be found acceptable unto God. And what amazes me 
is that Cain chooses to worship God. He chooses to seek the fellowship of God. He goes to all the trouble of building an altar unto God. But then he offers God something less than his very best. We know this is important to Cain. We know this matters to Cain because we know that the emotional aftermath of the rejection of God is going to result in the murder of his brother. This is a really deeply emotional and important thing. Cain is very deeply invested in the need to be accepted by God. But he doesn't have enough respect for God to bring God his best. He doesn't have enough respect for God to bring. Now, let's set aside the fact that it's not a blood offering. You could con, you can make the case to condemn Cain on the grounds that it wasn't a blood offering. But if we if we set that aside, Amen. He didn't bring the very best of what he did bring. He just brought the fruit. He, he just he just brought the a good representation. He didn't bring the first fruit. He didn't bring the ripest fruit. He didn't bring the biggest fruit. He didn't bring the best fruit. He just brought the fruit. You see, somehow Cain has decided to offer God a sacrifice that he thinks he can can placate God with. For for some reason, he has determined in and of himself, I'm going to go worship God. I'm going to make the trip to the house of God. I'm going to take the time to get up and get dressed on a Sunday morning. I'm going to take the the effort that it takes to to come to church and to be a part of church. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to come worship God. But then I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to give him my best. I'm not going to give him the the better portion. I'm just going to. I'm just going to go through the motions. That's what amazes me. Cain goes to the trouble to build an altar. He goes to the trouble to to bring a sacrifice. He goes to the trouble to, to come and engage God. But he's not willing to put his best on the altar. He's not willing to sacrifice himself. He's willing to sacrifice his time. He's willing to sacrifice his effort. He's willing to sacrifice the energy. He's willing to invest himself in worship, but he's not willing to go all the way. He's not willing to give the best that he has to give. He's not willing to pay the full price of what it costs to fellowship God. Perhaps he thought he could make a token gesture to God and and somehow secure the blessings of God. Perhaps he, he harbored some doubts about the very existence of God in his mind. He thought, well, I'm just going to do this and see if he's really real. Perhaps he, he felt like the very fact that he was showing up and, and that he was giving an offering, that he was going through the motions and, and building an altar. Perhaps he thought that ought to be enough to please God. But whatever it was, he stopped short of giving God the very best that he had. His offering was a window to his heart. It was a window to his soul. And it clearly demonstrated that even though he was making an offering to God, his heart was far from genuine worship. I know I'm not shouting and snorting and we're not running the aisles and jumping up on the pews and swinging from the chandeliers. The pastor wants to get serious with you for just a moment tonight. 
I want to I ask you just to stop and ask yourself a question. If my worship is a window to my soul, what does my worship say about me? What does my worship say about my heart? Am I serving him out of obligation? Am I, am I just going through the motions? Am I making a token offering on the altar of the Lord? Or am I doing just as little as I've got to do to get by? Am I, am I just going through the motions? Am I just keeping up appearances? Am I drifting further and further away from God in the very act of worship unto God? I want you to understand I'm not questioning your desire. I'm not questioning that, that you want to know him. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to know him. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have made the effort to come to church. You wouldn't have made the effort to, to bring a sacrifice at all if you, if you didn't want to know him. But Cain wanted to know him. Cain wanted to fellowship him. Cain really, really wanted to be accepted by God. He just wanted it on his own terms. He just wanted it his own way. What about you? What about me? Are we meeting God on his terms? Or are we asking God to meet us on our terms? Are we saying, well, there it is, God. That's the best I'm willing to do. Well, there it is, God. That, that's, that's, that's all I've got. Are we holding something back? I'm asking you on a Sunday night as your pastor, to examine your sacrifice, to examine your worship, because desire alone doesn't make the sacrifice acceptable. Showing up and building the altar alone, or even placing an offering on the altar, none of that caused God to look at Cain with acceptance and favor. Cain went to great lengths to worship God only to walk away disappointed and broken because he sought to worship God on his own terms because he thought he could give God something less than his very best. Now, follow the story with me because this isn't the end. As a matter of fact, this is just the beginning of the end. God sees Cain walk away from that place of sacrifice. And he sees the change in Cain's countenance. He sees how Cain's head is hung low, how he is broken and dejected, how his countenance is cast down. And, and God goes to Cain, and he offers Cain another chance. That's right, God, God comes to Cain, the same God who rejected Cain's offering. You see, he's rejected the sacrifice, but he hasn't rejected Cain. And he comes to Cain, and he, he gives Cain a chance. He gives Cain a season of mercy. He grants him another opportunity to do things right. God said, if you'll do it right, I'll accept it. That word for you'll be accepted is, is translated from the Hebrew word that means to be lifted up. Cain was cast down, and God said, if, you'll, if you go back and do it right, I'll, I'll lift you up. Uh, amen. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be cast down. Uh, I'll lift you up. I will, I, will, I will bring joy into your life. I'll bring that relationship back to you. But the invitation for a second chance 
came with a warning. God said to Cain, if you don't do right, sin lieth at the door. Listen, do you get that? Sin hasn't entered in yet. Sin's, the, the, the Hebrew, the text implies it's crouching at the door. You see, Cain's sin wasn't the wrong offering. Cain's sin wasn't the misguided effort to worship God. Cain's sin was the arrogance and pride, the hurt feelings and bitterness that refused to be corrected by God. That's where he missed it. Uh, That's where he messed up. Uh, When God came down and said, I'll tell you what, if you'll go back uh, and do it again and do it right, uh, I'll honor you. If you'll go back uh, and you'll do it again and you'll offer me the right sacrifice, uh, I will accept you and I'll lift you up. uh, Amen. And I'll bring you out of that place where you are now. God himself sought Cain out and told him there's still time to get it right. There's still time to do it right. There's still time to retrace your footsteps and go back to the altar and put the right sacrifice there to bring a proper offering in the right spirit. There's still time to secure the blessings of God. It's not too late. But if you continue... If you persist, if you don't do right, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, sin is crouching at the door, waiting to spring upon you. Sin is waiting to get its claws into you. Sin is waiting to bring you to a place of separation from God. Sin is is just sitting there waiting for the chance for you to reject this, this opportunity at mercy so that it can drive a wedge of separation between you and God. God said, I've given you a chance, but make no mistake about it. You're flirting with the very thing that will destroy your soul. Now, I know that I know I'm not being real impassioned, and I know that I'm not shouting, and and possibly I'm putting you to sleep tonight. But there's a lesson to be learned here that's very, very important. When you insist... On perpetually bringing God an unacceptable offering. When you persist on on bringing Him something less than your very best, you open the door to sin in your life. You open the door to the bondage and separation that sin brings. The prelude to being separated from God is an unacceptable sacrifice on the altar of your life and and the rejection of God's attempt to turn you back to the way that you should go. You may get away with it for a little while. You may do it for a little while and, and coast right along. You may, you may convince yourself that, that your, your half-hearted effort is all that God requires of you. But make no mistake about it, friend. Whenever you approach God with half-hearted worship, with a half-hearted sacrifice, with half-hearted devotion, you're opening the door of, to sin in your life. You're opening the door of your heart to the destroyer of your soul. Cain was never separated from God until sin got its claws in him. Until sin got a hold of him and ran its course in his life. Because sin separates you from God. Sin pushes you out of the presence of God. Sin 
puts a, a great gulf in between you and God. And, and he, he was never driven out. And he was never banished to that far country until sin got a hold of him. But before that happened, God warned him. God said, you can go back. You can do it again. You can offer me a sacrifice that is acceptable to me. They saying, Can, you've got what it takes. You've got what I require. This is not something that you can't do. This is not something that you're not capable of. You've got to go back and make it right. Listen to your pastor tonight. The quickest route to being separated from God is a half-hearted devotion to God. It's going through the motions. It's getting so calloused to the presence of God and to the work that you do for God that you don't put it in a place of uh, a primary place in your life, that you don't exalt it to the place of giving it your very best. You see, the heart backslides first. It's the heart that drifts away from God a long time before sin ever gets its claws into you. It's the heart that begins to drift away from the presence of God. Your, your first love grows cold. Your, your passion for the things of God begin to fade. When sacrifice becomes a burden, when serving God becomes an inconvenience, you're, you're walking on dangerous ground. When you find yourself just going through the motions, when you no longer find any pleasure in the things of you do for God. Those are indicators that you're giving Him something less than the very best that you have. That you're, that you're if you pardon the phrase, that you're just mailing it in. Amen. That you're just doing what you've got to do to get by. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because the tragedy of persisting in an unacceptable sacrifice is that it opens the door to the devourer. It opens the door to sin in your life. The dangerous thing is not to grow cold and complacent. The dangerous thing is to remain cold and complacent. You see, whenever you find yourself in that place where you're drifting, where you're getting cold, where your heart's backsliding, even in the middle of worship, you understand Cain lost out with God in the middle of worship. When you find yourself in that place where you're starting to drift, guess what's going to happen? God's going to come. The presence of God is going to begin to deal with you. The voice of God is going to begin to speak into your heart. That still, gentle voice of the Holy Ghost is going to begin to stir you and begin to draw you. And you're going to begin to recognize, you know, I need to get back on my knees in prayer. I need to rebuild my altar again. I need to pick up my dedication again. I need to pick up my devotion again. I've kind of let up on some things. And I need to get them back right. And the Holy Ghost is going to begin to quicken to your heart the understanding that you're slipping away from the presence of God. You're slipping away in your service to God. You're beginning to offer him something less than, you, than your very best. Uh, and the presence of God is going to come to you and it's going to come to you in mercy and it's going to come to you in grace uh, and it's going to come to you and tell you it's not too late to get it right. Uh, it's not too late to build an altar again. It's not too late to turn your heart back to God. It's not too late to be revived in your worship. But if you don't, sin's crouching at the door. 
If you don't, the adversary of your soul is just waiting for the opportunity to pounce. If you don't, you can mark my words. You're going to go too far. You're going to drift too long. You're going to be too long outside of the presence of the glory of God. You're going to grow too cold. You're going to become too distant. And in a moment of weakness, your flesh is going to seize on the opportunity. Temptation is going to come. Sin is going to knock. Whatever it is is going to overpower you because you started drifting a long, long time ago. And you've ignored the persistent voice of God saying, go back to the altar. Go back to the sacrifice. Go back and bring me your best. Go back and bring me the thing that I desire from you. That's the tragedy of an unacceptable sacrifice. It's not that it was brought. It's not that it was placed on the altar. It's that it remained there after the mercy of God came calling. If you leave yourself in that condition long enough, it causes your heart to grow hard to the very desire that compelled you to worship him in the first place. The only reason Cain built an altar was because he wanted to know God. He wanted to fellowship God. He wanted to worship God. That bitterness that anger, that rejection, that stubbornness. I said, I, this is just a, this is either this is going to be good enough or it's not, but this is the best I'm giving to God. Took him so far away from the presence of God that he, he murdered his brother and was cast out to the far land, never again to be in fellowship with God. What started so well ended in such a tragedy. I believe that Cain truly wanted to worship God. I believe he had a, a true desire to know God. I believe he, he really wanted to have the blessings of God in his life. But like the rich young ruler, it was, it was going to cost him too much. It was going to take too much. What God required of him was more than he was willing to give. So he offered God an unacceptable offering. And ultimately, it cost him everything. Would you stand with me tonight? Brother Ryan, if you'd come. I'm going to let you look into my heart for just a moment. Because the chief desire of my soul is that my life would be found acceptable and pleasing unto God. I want my praise to be acceptable. I want my worship to be acceptable. I want my sacrifice to be acceptable. More than that, or at least as much as that, I want this church to be acceptable. I bend my knee on Sunday morning and I pray, Lord, help the worship that goes forth in this place to be pure and holy and undefiled. Let it be acceptable unto you. 
Let it be, Lord, something that, that, that happens in this place that ushers people into the presence of God and into the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be somebody walk through the doors of this church today, God, that, that doesn't know you or that has drifted away from you or their heart's cold or they're, or they're, they're bound in sin. And there's going to be somebody under the sound of my heart with a with a, a sound of my voice with a backslidden heart that's drifting away from you. And, Lord, whatever it takes, let the worship that goes forth in this place, God, let it be acceptable to you. Let your holy fire begin to burn in this house. You see, I want everything that I do. I want every part of my life to be acceptable unto God. And I, I come to this place, I know it's not a comfortable message to preach. And I, I love to preach where you shout and run the aisles and, and we get excited and we have all, all kinds of wonderful things happen. But I felt the Holy Ghost check my spirit this afternoon and I, I come to deliver a warning in this place. Uh, I come to deliver a word from God. Uh, amen. Don't persist uh, in the, that half-hearted place. Don't persist uh, in that cold state. Uh, the Lord said, I would rather that you were either hot or cold but because you're lukewarm, because you're halfway here and halfway there, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That's a dangerous place to be. In that lukewarm, halfway here and halfway there state. But I also come to tell you that the mercy of God is rich. The grace of God is long-suffering. That God of all mercy and grace is in this house right now, and He's given you another chance. He's extended another opportunity. He's saying, if you go back to the altar, if you'll put the right sacrifice there, if you go back to your altar, and you put your life there again. You understand that the greatest sacrifice I have to offer is my life. Paul said, I, I die daily. Daily I bring this old man on an altar and I say, Lord, let me be crucified with Christ. I believe he's calling this church back to a place. I felt it so strong this morning. What a, a, a great anointing. The Holy Ghost swept through this house this morning. I feel it again tonight in a different measure. I believe he is calling each and every soul under the sound of my voice uh, to a place of prayer. Sometimes it's going to be, for some of us, it's going to be a place of repentance. Uh, we're going to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've let up. Uh, I'm sorry that I, I, I'm not that been as active as I should have been. I've not been as involved as I should have done. I've not had my heart where I know it should have been. I, I'm sorry, God. Uh, but it's not going to be just repentance. Uh, when I get done repenting, uh, I'm going to put a sacrifice on the altar again. I'm going to put my life back on the altar again. I'm going to say, Lord, I, I dedicate myself. Uh, I surrender myself. Uh, I yield myself. Uh, I don't want to live in that place of halfway pleasing you, God. 